Hey, I'm Steph. I'm a motivator, creator, small business owner, and educator. I'm a lover of all things health, spirituality, inspiration, and business. These are just a few words to describe me, along with passion, grit, and resiliency. Regardless of what I'm up to, I am soul-driven to create a purpose-filled life and find the advantages in adversity, all while keeping a smile on my face. Soul Driven with Steph is a podcast that will fill up your cup and leave you feeling empowered, inspired, and on fire as you listen to interviews and stories of other soul-driven and strong women that have overcome against all odds. This podcast was a calling on Steph's soul to serve, connect, and share stories of struggles and successes, all to create a community so that you know you're never alone. Grab a cup of coffee, get ready to learn, laugh, and leave with wisdom and strategies to connect to your soul and get back in the driver's seat of your life today. Here's Steph. Hey everyone, welcome to Soul Driven with Steph. I'm so excited to share this interview with you today. One of my dear friends and fellow fit entrepreneurs, uh, Lauren George, is joining us today. And we are going to dive into all things health, wellness, fitness industry, as well as being a female small business owner. And I met Lauren back in 2017, I believe, at a conference. And she introduced me to my first bar class. And I've been hooked ever since. And we've become great friends over the years. And I just love watching her grow and evolve and everything that she's doing for the industry is really, really important. And just really, she's one of my biggest cheerleaders. I always see her encouraging other women in inside the industry and outside. So I'm so excited to have you on today, Lauren. Welcome. Thank you, Steph. I'm thrilled to be here. I know I can't believe um, like 2017 feels like yesterday, but then so <laughs> long ago at the same time. But like, I mean, I can vividly remember it where you were in Chicago at Empower. Um, and so it is, it's been fun to watch you grow your business and move to two new locations since we've met. Yeah, um, and I am honored to be your biggest cheerleader. You're doing amazing things in the fitness industry and outside of the fitness industry. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Let's just dive right in with some of your background and experience. I know I've kind of heard your story before, but let's go even further back than even, let's say, college. You know, what really inspired you to join this wellness industry? And is it something that you've al always been kind of a movement motivated person or where did you get your roots from? Sure. Yeah. I've always, I always joke that like, I was one of those kids that like, I literally liked exercise. I would not say that I was like the most athletic kid by any stretch. I mean, I was a cheerleader and I played volleyball, like enjoyed in athletics in high school and things like that. But I mean, I can remember as far back as like junior high doing like Paula Abdul's hip hop aerobics video yes. and, <laughs> and then 
It was Galad on the beach. Yes, Galad. Yes. yes. And then um, I got uh, my my parents gave me a gym membership the Christmas after I started driving. And so from that point on, like I went to the gym every morning and took step aerobics and strength training classes, you know, before high school. Um, and so, but I never really thought about it as a career then. I really, um, I went to college for political science and Spanish. Um, I really wanted to work in foreign relations or originally. And um, my freshman year, the first semester, um, back then, A&M made you take a kinesiology class, you had to have a kines class and a health class, just like everybody did, every major did. And so I took a step aerobics class um, from KB, Kirsten Breckenshay. I still talk to her <laughs> to this day. I actually saw her in, um, in February of this year at a conference. And um, I can just remember being in that class. And there were several girls in the class that, you know, Fitness was not their thing. You could tell that they, you know, were in the class because they had to be. Um, and watching KB just help them find their love for movement, realizing that it didn't have to be about competition or athletics. Like they could just enjoy step aerobics or whatever kind of aerobics class it right. was. Um, and I really thought like if KB hadn't been there, if that class hadn't been there, you know, had would a lot of my you know fellow students in that class ever have realized that they could just recreate for fun versus athletics and i think that was such a key thing um, in college you know people either coming from not playing athletics and just thinking that that's how it was and you just kept going mm -hmm. or coming from athletics and no longer playing athletics you know i feel like college was a really kind of make or break spot for a lot of people to figure out how to yeah. do it on their own. So I changed my major the next um, <laughs> the next semester, not to my parents liking for a long while. <laughs> um, so I changed my major and I was like, I want to be KB. And I stayed in campus recreation for, you know, the good one first third of my career. I worked at um, three different universities. Um, and actually now I'm back um, at a university for about the past five years um, as adjunct faculty for um, Clemson University. So I've kind of a little bit a much different role, but um, kind of yeah. full circle from there. So I started teaching group fitness um, that semester in college as well at AM. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's why I've connected with you so much too, is like, I was that weird high school girl who liked going to the Y and trying every fitness class, probably the youngest person in the room, but like just got addicted to movement. And I do agree. I think um, those first few semesters of college, when everyone is required to take what ours was called wellness today, right? That's what really inspired me too. Was my instructor? We did the you know cardio kickboxing, and I was like, I love this. I want to teach this, and she kind of gave me that push that it sounds like KB gave you to go in that direction, and and yeah, to show people that you don't have to be an athlete to like or even work out in general. Um, and I think it's a good um, experience for people that come from group sports to transition to group fitness and the energy of a team in a different element. So 100%. that is, yeah, something I totally resonate with. And then share a little bit about us, um, with us, how you kind of transitioned into more of like programming and studio ownership and sure. all of that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try to keep it brief. But um, so when I left college, I thought I wanted to stay in campus recreation. Um, as as an undergrad, um, you it was kind of, it was an amazing mentorship program where the older instructors would mentor the 
younger instructors, we had a class called group fitness instructor training that you took for a whole semester before you even auditioned. So my junior and senior year, I helped teach that class and rewrite the manual. So very, very early on in my career, um, I figured out that like what I loved the most was mentoring other instructors and helping them to, you know, find their way um, to a career in fitness, you know, that it could be a career, which I think, you know, back then, this was 12, 15, yeah, way over 12, 15, 16 (laughs) years ago, I was thinking when I graduated, Um, you know, not a lot of people are doing it as a full-time career. So um, I went on to grad school at the University of North Texas, where I was a graduate assistant for group fitness. Um, And then um, my first job out of um, grad school was as the group fitness coordinator at a large health club um, in downtown Dallas. Um, And and the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center, it was attached to the hospital, which was a whole different experience there. Um, And then the story of my life started when my husband um, changed careers. And so since let us see, that was 2012 on. Um, we have been kind of on the move every couple of years. So we went to Tallahassee, Florida um, first, and we were at Florida State for a little bit where I was their group fitness coordinator. And at Florida State was really where I had my first kind of real taste of like writing educational programming. So we built this beautiful bar studio. Bar was just on the rise at that time. We put in bars, but I went to go bring in a certification for my students and they're really wasn't one at the time that either didn't tie you to a franchise or you know was like seven eight hundred dollars at that point there there wasn't a lot of options so I created you know an in-house curriculum for them based on while I was in Dallas I did my full Pilates certification on all of the equipment I had done personally several bar certifications brought bar to the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center um, and then pulled you know I did dance all growing up so pulled from that Um, So we were in Florida for just a short time, not even a year. Um, My husband takes a job in Austin, Texas. So we moved to Texas. Um, And actually for the first time in my career at that point, I taught and trained full time, which I think even though it was only for about a year where I was teaching and training full time, it definitely gave me, you know, a glimpse into what it means to like really hustle as a fitness professional, if you're truly trading hours for dollars and how hard that is to make a full-time living. So after about a year, um, I was offered a job as the um, studio operations director for the Pilates studio that I was working at at that time. And then while I was there, we opened up um, two more locations, or I guess while we were there, we opened up one more and then one right after I left. Um, So I handled studio management. And one of my jobs there was training all of our new instructors. And so I had, I kind of took what I had created created in um, Florida and really built it out more so that our instructors were teaching kind of, you know, a cohesive program. We had a huge schedule, like 50 classes. And so we wanted people to be able to drop into any bar class and kind of know what to expect. Right. Um, And so after creating that, I started to get asked by different colleagues that I had worked with at different places, a lot in campus recreation to come in and train their staff. And so um, I guess the egg kind of came before the chicken a little bit there. (laughs) I kind of went out and did a couple of trainings, felt it out, um, decided there was enough demand to go ahead and go all in ACE AFA. And I created my first program, which is when I met you, which was called Pulse Point Bar. So that was my first venture into entrepreneurship, almost a little bit accidentally. 
Um, yeah. I didn't really like sit down and be like, let's start a business today. Right. And I also had like a three month old at the time, which is not the best timing in the world. Um, so Pulse Point Bar, husband gets another new job. We moved to Clemson, South Carolina. Um, and while I'm in Clemson, I open up a physical brick and mortar studio, um, group fitness studio. We had bar, TRX, hit, kickboxing, all the things. Um, and then right about that same time, a company called Bar Above, who's owned by Savier Fitness, approached me about merging our two bar brands. So um, I essentially sold Pulse Point Bar to Bar Above and then came came on as one of bars, um, Bar Above's educational creators, directors, whatever you'd like to say there. So um, then while also in Clemson, um, I started a second business with my friend, um, Mariah Seacrest Comer. We kind of had the conversation about how hard it was to hustle for um, fitness entrepreneurs or fitness professionals teaching and training full time. And we wanted to help equip them with the skills they need, with the business skills they needed. You go to all these fitness conferences and you get so many great yes. ideas, you know, um, for your classes. But back then, not so much business related. That has definitely changed thanks to COVID. Um, so we started the Fitbiz Club. Our original idea was to do fitness retreats. Um, our first one sold out in like three days and then COVID hit. So we had to adjust. Um, so we did a virtual retreat instead, which we realized was actually a much more sustainable business model mm -hmm. doing the workshops virtually. So as soon as we could, we did go back um, into hosting in-person retreats. We actually just hosted our second annual one in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, um, but our business expanded to offering a lot of one-on-one -on -one business coaching. Um, we do masterminds, on-demand workshops, um, and then the retreats in person. While, let's see, hold on, timeline-wise, husband gets another new job, so we moved from South Carolina <laughs> um, to Mississippi, which is where we live now, and I sold my studio in Clemson to one of our instructors. It is still going strong, just celebrated yeah. its five-year anniversary, which makes my heart happy. Yay! Um, yeah. So good. And then, um, again, a little bit accidentally, I hate the word accidentally because it sounds like it wasn't a lot of work. It was <laughs> a ton of work, but I didn't, like, sit down and think, like, what am I going to create today? So during the pandemic, I started to do six week challenges thinking like, when this is uh -huh. over, we're gonna go back to teaching in person. Yeah. Well, come to find out, Starkville is even smaller than Clemson, <laughs> South Carolina. So teaching in person um, has been a little bit of a challenge just from a um, volume of opportunity standpoint. And so I had enough demand from the challenges that I uh, in, Last spring, in of spring of 21, um, I decided to go ahead and go all in with the membership, create or with the virtual studio, created a membership. I have an app that goes with it um, and have been just really pleasantly surprised with how that is going. Um, and then most recently in October of 2022, we launched Pumped Up Strength, um, which is my newest yeah. education certification to teach group fitness instructors how to teach um, a really fun and functional group strength class. And then also under my other LLC umbrella, I do a lot of um, presenting and speaking and things like that. Wow. So this is why I love chatting with you and hopefully all of our listeners now understand um, just what a resource you are for our industry. And you probably get this question a lot that I get. Do you ever sleep? I know. 
Um, and you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, right. And your mom on top of all of this, which we'll kind right. of touch on a little bit too, but, um, I love hearing your story and it's so important, um, not only for people in the wellness industry, but just entrepreneur entrepreneurialism in general, because if you listen, every time you say accidental, really what you're doing is you're filling a void. Exactly. Filling a void. And that's smart. I mean, that is what a smart business owner does is you create solutions from problems and people want them. So you don't have to feel like you're forcing um, your programs or you're forcing, you know, this business to work because you're filling a void that you are hearing and listening to your community and, and serving them. So I just I love that. Um, and I'm just curious was business something that you really wanted to go into? Have you always been kind of entrepreneurial, even as like a child or because you are like such an amazing business owner? Thank you. Um, but I, I do totally agree. I always say it's much easier to fill a need than to educate your community on why they need whatever it is yourself. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I always have been interested in the business side. I think originally, you know, in college, I really just thought of it as like I wanted to be able to create the group fitness schedule and bring in the certifications and help train the new instructors. So at first it was really like, I love group fitness programming. And that's what kind of business meant to me in the beginning. Um, so in college, I was a sports management and a kinesiology major. So I took a lot of business classes. And then my master's degree was also in um, recreation and sports management. So I my degrees are kines, but also um, very business oriented. So, um, but I don't actually, I know in the very beginning, I never intended to start my own business. I would say that I am very much a worry word and very risk adverse. I say that, but then I take risks. But uh, like, yeah, I just can't even see that. <laughs> I know, but in my head I am, but then I'm not, I don't know. But it's because um, you're smart about it and you, you are willing to take risks, um, but you go into it with the right mindset and knowing knowing what you're signing up for and, um, and you're filling a void again. So calculated, calculated risk. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, so yes and no, I think just what I thought of as business has changed over time, but I have very much always liked the behind the scenes part of, of fitness. Like teaching is clearly, you know, my jam and the best, but I really enjoy the behind the scenes part as well. Like making a whole program, successful, making other instructors successful um, and helping to see them shine. Yeah. And I think that's something that people get into business a lot because they love the thing that they're doing, right? Whether it's teaching group fitness or doing massage or creating products. Um, and we can really start to love the business side of it over time. I think the longer you're in it, the more experience you gain when you're not like so new at it, you can actually realize there's a lot of skill and strategy and, and you get to reap the rewards of that, um, which is really fun. So I think it's something not a lot of times we intend to start a business, but you can really start to fall in love with that side of it too. Totally. I completely agree such a fun challenge. Um, so I'm curious, what is your favorite class to take and your favorite class to teach out of all these programs? This is so hard. It's so hard. I think it varies, you know, with your seasons, right? Um, of course I would say, gosh, one my favorite class to take would either be Pilates reformer or yoga, honestly, because I love 
I love being a student in those, you know, I, I love hearing the instruction. I love the challenge of like trying new things that I maybe wouldn't do in those formats myself. Um, so those are my favorite for sure. And then to teach. I mean, of course, I think it would probably be a tie between pumped up strength and bar for different reasons. Bar, I love the creativity of it. I, I just think there's so many beautiful options and it feels so good. And then for pumped up strength, um, I love getting other people all over, but really specifically women um, lifting weights and showing that that can you know, really be fun. Um, and yeah, we just have a lot of fun in that class. So I think those yeah. are my I agree. I think bar is full of creativity and um, choreographed classes are just fun to teach in general yeah. to the music and the beats. Um, yeah, I will say too, like I've, I've noticed that even when I want to take my own class, I want to take like yoga. That's like, just lay on the mat the whole time because <laughs> that's what I need after, you know, teaching right. a lot of classes. So right. Um, the thing that we don't do that we need the most, right? <laughs> yes. And where we can like let go. I think with choreographed classes, I have a hard time not having my instructor brain on. Yeah. Right? So we're with yoga and reformer. I feel like it's easier for me to turn my instructor brain off to stop counting the music and just, yeah. you know, take in what is being taught to me. Yeah, that's hard. And that's like one of the, I don't want to say it's a drawback, um, but when you're instructing, like your class comes first, right? So like we have to be so intentional about still pouring back into ourselves, still taking time for ourselves to work out, which sometimes at the end of the day, or this is why I do it at the beginning of the day, but you just like have nothing left to give yourself. So how do you fit in time for your own workouts? Cause I know you do. And in some weeks and months and seasons, I'm sure it looks totally different, but, um, how do you prioritize that for yourself? Yeah. Um, well, I think for me, it is not even a well, it is a health thing, but maybe not a physical thing. Like I yeah. literally need the workout for my own sanity. Um, oh. And I need it. It's almost like my quiet or my like moving meditation. I've heard people use the phrase. Um, so even if I teach a class, like I just taught a class before this, I still got up this morning um, before my kiddos woke up. And even if it's just a 30 minute yeah. work out as hard as I can go go at it um I try to sneak in you know 30 to 60 minutes every morning before the girls wake up and I find that if I don't get that in for some reason like the longer the day goes on I like get more and more anxious you know because yeah. Um, yeah fitting it in after 9 a.m it's it's gonna be a struggle like well, I don't know where it's gonna go once you know we get into the role so um I do it's early morning or bus for me, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And you travel a lot for your work and you probably have for quite some time now. And how does that look? Um, Cause I feel like you're also like me where you're just a very like routine, like you like a regimented schedule as much as possible, but then you like the flexibility, right. Of business ownership and all of those things. So um, what does that look like with traveling and how do you stay on top of like your health and wellness? and business and family with all of that. Sure. Um, I I'm maybe a scheduler to a fault or <laughs> a, a logistics coordinator to a fault a little bit because I do, you know, schedule my husband jokes. He's like, you you got to give a little bit more of a buffer because I tend to schedule everything like down to like back the 15 minute window. I'm like, okay, 15 minutes. Like, it's like, okay, I'm going to be sitting in the carpool line for 15 minutes. What can I do? You know? Yeah. Um, so that's definitely, I think one of my biggest tools is 
just accounting for downtime. Like I love travel. It's hard to be away for the kids, but sometimes on a travel day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get four uninterrupted hours on an airplane where no one can reach me. Do you know how much I can get done in four uninterrupted hours? Um, So time blocking, you know, and writing out what I'm going to tackle in each time block. And then also knowing where my creative times are or when I'm going to be distracted. So like, I'm not going to create a new class when my kids are running around asking me questions, but I may, you know, sneak in a few emails while my oldest is at swim team practice. Thank goodness for a really good hotspot, right? Because I feel yeah. like I work from all over Startville. Um, but so knowing my creative times and then time yes. blocking. And then I really try to think of even when I am traveling, you know, as far as my schedule goes, what I do early in the morning, that I try to stay the same as much as possible, even if that means like doing a workout in the floor of my hotel room, or I have definitely been known to lap the entire Atlanta airport. So you can take the tram or underneath the tram, you can walk from <laughs> terminal to terminal. Oh, wow. Right? And yeah. it tells you like how, how long it will take you to get from every terminal. Terminal. So I have done the whole thing. Um, yeah, just take up some before. movement. Yeah. Then. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I try to stay as consistent as possible, but I definitely think that, um, you know, thinking of my day as a whole and where I'm going to yes. be just sitting instead of maybe scrolling Instagram, you know, could I answer emails mm-hmm. instead? Yeah, for sure. That's huge. Um, utilizing the time that you have, knowing when your creativity or time to really be in the flow state because it's hard to get there sometimes. So um, knowing when it's kind of mindless, you know, I don't want to say you're mindlessly answering emails, but it's, it's not requiring the creativity of creating content or choreography. Um, that's huge. And knowing when that those windows are and scheduling as much as you can in, um, let's kind of talk a little bit. Cause you mentioned even social media, like if you go follow Lauren George Fitness, is that what it's called? On yeah. Instagram, this girl is crushing it every day. She's got new content. And I'm not just talking like people that put out content and it's, you know, not that pretty or not that great. Like it all looks consistent. And please, I mean, you don't have to share all of your secrets, but tell us some of your secrets on how do you stay on top of all of that? Because obviously, so you're filming in your studio. I mean, I see some where you're like on the beach or on, you know, a mountain, like where you're probably traveling or vacationing, but for the most part, it's in your studio. So what does it look like to batch that and create that? Yeah. So I do have a very like (laughs) systematic um, process for sure. So I would say it's about 50-50, which I mean, I do, I joke all the time that like having a virtual studio is the best thing that ever happened to my social media because it does give me consistent content. Um, So it's about 50-50 content that I film for classes and then content that I do create. But when I create content, when I get the camera out just for the purpose of, you know, social media or promos or whatever, you better believe I'm going to have like seven outfits laid out and there's going to be lots of different things happen. I've written out, um, you know, different segments, especially because most of the time when I film content outside of my virtual studio, it's very themed, right? So it's by like body part or by prop or something like that. Um, So like the ones lately that you've seen, like on the mountain, I filmed seven (laughs) 
15 reels in like two mornings whenever we were in Colorado. So I just got wow. up early for my girls got, were awake. I went on a hike because I, when I hiked the day before I had seen, I was like, oh my gosh, that, those two places would be perfect. It and was I, beautiful. Like I just love the, the scenery. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, who cares what Lauren's doing? Let's just live <laughs> the river. Um, I'm totally with you. So I, I try to have, you know, almost about a month at least worth of content video on video batch, you know, ahead of time. Um, mm -hmm. I store it all on my iPad, which is essentially pretty much now exclusively just used for social media. And I save it into yeah. folders so that the videos like each folder essentially is a post. Um, and then once I have all the video, the next thing that I decide is like, what do I need to promote in the right. you know, upcoming months or one month quarter? Um, and then what content goes with that, whether that's a new pumped up street certification, bar above certification, oh. the virtual studio. Um, and so that's kind of how I put the videos in order, like decide when to post what based on what you know, is the purpose of the yeah. content, not just posting it for no reason. Um, yep. yep. And then for captions, the oh my gosh, this has been the biggest game changer. Write all of your captions in a Google Doc first okay. and then put them. So that way you have them. That way on days right. you're uninspired, you can go oh. back and like, okay, what is what did I say the last time I was doing an AMRAPS and EMOMS post? And like oh. just change a couple of things because nobody yeah. remembers what you said, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like that saves me so much time. Um, and then my other big tip is I use an app called Plan. P L A. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and it's a scheduling software um, because I do, you know, with with assistance, but I do manage pumped up strength, FitBiz Club and um, Lauren George Fitness. So having a scheduler is, is really yes. key. Having a program. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And so you have, yeah, content that you're building for multiple platforms, um, multiple businesses. And um, so really the key is pre-planning things out wherever you're at, whether you're out and about or you're in your studio, having a couple hours where you're filming multiple videos at once. So you do not pull up the camera to do one video, right? Never. No, Never. too much work to set it up. Um, so much work. Oh get my your God. outfits planned out, right. you know, stack them in order, whatever it is, um, creating what content for things that are coming up. Right. Um, so that you have content to pull that makes sense for with what you're promoting. And that all takes, you know, planning out ahead of time too to know right. what is coming up. So really it's, it's pre-planning, systematizing, batching, getting the most out of your minutes. Um, and then just planning it all out, actually right. putting it in the plan. And, um, I love that typing up the captions. I feel like that is actually a spot I've been getting stuck. Cause I'll do all the video batching. I'll edit all the videos and then I leave the captions. Like, well, then I have to type the caption every time I go to that post. So, <laughs> yeah. And like you're saying a lot of times it's almost the same caption. If it's like you're writing it for an AMRAP, um, which is just a workout, like you're right. just going to talk about the AMRAP and list the exercises. So copy paste for the next time you do an AMRAP. Don't need to reinvent the wheel every time people barely read captions as is, right? Exactly. If it's real, they're getting um, text on the real a lot of times anyway. So overarching theme is knowing what you're doing ahead of time for that season and getting the most out of your content. Right. right? 
pre-planning um, and posting it across platforms. Thank the Lord for col collaborations, right? right? On Instagram. Oh my gosh, the best. Don't get rid of that Instagram. Ever. <laughs> ever. Oh my gosh, I know. We maybe shouldn't talk about it. They may get rid of it. Let's not. <laughs> But um, I love that it's it's a lot it's a lot of work like you said but um, but when you're doing it the right way you're working months out and that allows you to be present right with your family or with your work when you don't have to sit on social media every day if you don't have time yes. um, because your content's just it's gonna funnel out anyways so I love that is this something that you teach in Fitbiz? Yes, we do have um, an Instagram workshop where we go through the whole thing. We share, you know, all of my spreadsheets and how I'm to make a cover photo and all that kind of stuff, because um, it can it can be overwhelming. And, you know, dealing with social media just for the purpose of, you know, having likes and followers, it's I'm not sure that I would even say that it's worth it, right? If you right. don't have a plan, it's yeah. so many wasted hours. So the plan comes before the pretty cover photo. And if you have a plan, how many followers you actually have matters so much less. Like if you own yeah. a brick and mortar studio, who cares if you have 100,000 followers if they don't live in own Alaska, Wisconsin, right? Exactly. Nobody can, like it doesn't matter for that particular business right so that's what i tell my clients all the time is like let's focus on building your instagram in a way that works for your business so if you right. are a brick and mortar in a specific location we don't care if you have followers in sweden right they're not right. going to come to your studio um so yeah i think that's really where it can get lost in the shuffle because we see so many influencers or Instagram mm -hmm. celebrities that we feel like our business can't be successful unless we reach that point. Um, and that's just depending on your business. Now, if your business is just affiliate marketing, then yes, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> but if your business is not solo, so only affiliate marketing, then you can be super successful with smaller numbers if they are the right audience and an engaged audience. Absolutely. And thinking about too is we're not just like using social media for selling, right? We're using it for the social aspects of connecting as well as um, actually providing content, right? This free content. Um, so think of it from that element too is like, okay, if you want to educate your client or your customer, potential customers, what do you want them to know about your business ahead of time so that when they actually come in the brick and mortar doors or they go to your website, they already kind of have a feel. So like, we're not just selling, selling, selling on social. Oh, no. It's also right. less selling than anything, right? It's actually that community building, getting a taste of who you are, what your business is, what you, know, what you can do to help serve people. Um, and people are just gonna a lot of times silently follow until they feel like it's a good fit anyways, so. Exactly. So we used to say the 80-20 rule. Now I say, I think it's more like the 90-10 rule. Because even when I'm saying wow. developing your content with purpose, you're right. That doesn't always mean having a sales pitch. Like very rarely does it mean that. It means building that no like, and trust factor right. before you, you know, tell, I like, it's more of this is what I'm offering. If you want it great, then a hardcore sales push, especially on social. Um, but it is. And then, you know, for you, you do a beautiful job of you post content all the time that your people that are already your clients 
are interested in and it either, you know, it motivates them or gets them excited about the next class and about their next workout or gives them a workout they can do when they're away from your studio. So right. it is to serve your current client as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'm super interested on where you think the group fitness industry is headed. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It's such an interesting question. And I feel like I, um, I don't know if you would say straddle the fence or I have the opportunity to see both sides, like in person yeah. and then also virtual. You have both. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and presenting, you know, talking, speaking at conferences and talking to other fitness instructors, you know, hearing what's working in other parts. I will say when the pandemic first hit, I was, <laughs> I held out. I was like, I am not going virtual because Peloton is going to ruin in-person group fitness, not just Peloton, but like now all of us are going virtual. All the online. Yeah. I'm, honestly afraid that we weren't going to come back like if we got yeah. everyone to go virtual are we coming back as group fitness yeah. that we all know and love like that was an honest fear whether that was naive at the time or not it was it was how i felt um especially you know owning a studio at the time i was like oh my gosh right. yeah um, so then you know going through what everyone went through and going virtual and now coming out the other side um as far as that aspect of the industry goes i think that it's not an either or anymore it is 100 yeah. percent an and um you know people want the community of an in-person studio without a doubt i mean i do i want to go either yeah. take a class or teach a class in person even if it makes way less money than doing it virtually like that right. is, well that is soul filling the experience right, right? Yeah, like, the experience 100 yep. but then you know our lives are busy and some days when we can't make it to the gym now that we've experienced great fitness classes online, you know, we want to be able to do that maybe two times a week and go to the studio three to four times a week, right? So if it fits yes. better to be able to press play at 5.37 a.m., you know, then that fits better. Um, so as far as like the hybrid model goes, I, I think both are here to stay. I don't think in-person yep. group fitness is in jeopardy from virtual. I do think right. we're having to work to get people back in the studio. They got out yes. of the habit and nope. we know how that goes. Like that's always been the case in our industry if, if people lose momentum, but it's just like everybody kind of lost momentum at the same time. Lost their routine, lost right. so many things. Yeah, yeah. I agree with know, that. Mentally and emotionally struggling, struggling. Yep. So I do think that's something we have to work out. I think the community is now even a bigger thing than ever before. Um, 100%. Yeah. Experience-based instruction and experience-based events and event-based yeah. marketing, you know, where it is, we're not just selling the benefits of fitness anymore. We're selling the fun and yep. the benefits of fitness and the fact that we're going to be your community and that you can go shopping and have a mimosa after class, you know, <laughs> all those things. Yeah. Um, totally. I don't think they're hokey. I think it's part of like, in my opinion, it's ideal if your studio is the center of someone's social scene, right? Yes. You have those wonderful couches in and a coffee maker in your, <laughs> yes. it, yeah, exactly, in your waiting room. And I think that's amazing. Like people can come 30 minutes early and sit and talk to a friend before they take a class. So I think that is more important than ever before. Um, and then just from, you know, other things that I've seen in the industry, I think the technology aspect of, you know, wearables and being able to see heart rate in the middle of class, like having that immediate feedback for clients. Um, I think it's here to stay, but I think there are certain clients that are like a little over it. They're like, I don't need to see my heart rate 
all the time. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. here for the experience. So I'm not sure that I would suggest going overkill. I think <laughs> right. that might be an and kind of thing. Like some classes we're going to have oh. my zone happening or whatever system you use. And some classes you don't have to, if you just want to come to a dance class, yeah. to a dance class, like we can do that too. Um, so I think it's all about knowing your market, knowing your target market, your clients. Absolutely. That's funny. We just discussed that at our team training this past weekend was like, you know, just the idea of having those numbers up on a screen. And even if it was anonymous, like I do think that, well, part of what we preach here too, is like, you know, don't worry necessarily about just the calories of the weight loss or focus on how it feels, have fun. Like when you have fun taking care of yourself and moving with friends, then that's, what's going to make you stick with it long-term. But I know like even being competitive myself, so, seeing those numbers would probably be pretty motivating for me, but it's not for everyone. Um, so I agree with that, you know, maybe it having be an option for some classes and obviously not like yoga or something like right. not the point. Um, but I totally agree. I think that Um, just getting people back in person is not necessarily because everyone went online. It, to some extent, is more convenient, of course, right, to live stream or do your on-demand libraries. Um, But I think it's more or less reminding people that this is, that the reason you come to an in-person facility is for more than just the workout. It is for the community, like you said, and boutique uh, fitness and yoga, that has always been the appeal more than anything is the connections in the community between the people as well as the staff and the instructors and feeling like you know people personally. And I do think um, one of the biggest things that we're facing right now is just the mental health crisis and, you know, and just overwhelmed people of like busyness, you know, as technology advances, life just gets harder because we can do a million things at once and our brains can't handle it and our bodies can't handle it. And I think that is, again, even more of a reason to continue to do these in-person experiences is to let people slow down, remind them to take care of themselves, you know, talk to a friend, talk to someone you, you trust who is maybe going through the same thing. And we saw a lot of our members that maybe lived alone, um, go through COVID basically in isolation. Like we were their lifeline, right. Um, for those couple months of quarantine that we were online. And I mean, they still tell us all the time, just how much that we saved them during that time. And, um, and that means a lot to us and, and they're still, you know, continuing to show up and take care of themselves, but it is definitely still a struggle of like feeling, you know, disconnected or like life is just so busy and, um, there's not a lot of places to go and talk with people and have those discussions and, and that sense of community. So I think that's going to be really big coming up for sure. Yeah. What would you say was the most kind of, uh, challenging lesson that you've learned over, it could be recently or in the past, or, I mean, a lot of it's probably more (laughs) recently in the last couple of years, but from just as a fitness instructor, business professional, or say either or. Okay. Um, well, fit. I'll go fitness instructor first, which actually could apply to <laughs> you know, being a, a business professional. But 
um, as a people pleaser. And I, I don't even like sugarcoat anymore. Like I like to be liked, like I want to please people. <laughs> like I don't really love confrontation from a, like, I would never want to offend anyone's standpoint. Like I just want everyone to have a good time and get along. Right. Yes. So with that being said, it was really hard for me for a long time. Like if someone didn't like my class or didn't like my teaching style or told me I was too loud. But on the flip side <laughs> of that, like I am a lot like I like <laughs> to be loud and I like my music loud. And, you know, I was a cheerleader and I still want to like, you know, that energy comes out. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not ever going to be, you know, the instructor that is super calming and, you know, I'm a lot. Right. So it took me a long time to really be okay with that, to be okay with the fact that like, not everyone has to love your style or love your class because that's why we need so many different instructors. Yeah. And that can apply to other fields, right? We need so many different teachers in, in schools that have different teaching styles and so many different right. managers that have different managing styles. Um, and what I really noticed the most was once I just was like, okay, I'm gonna, clearly be nice to everyone but like this is what you get if you come to my class and if you don't like that that's okay but this is my class this is how it's going to yes. be um just from a personality standpoint you know yep. vibe standpoint everything became exponentially easier i was so much less stressed before teaching class i was so i mean i would give myself a migraine throw up in the bathroom oh man every time yeah I presented at a fitness conference like probably was happening when I met you in 2017 because I was so worried about like, is this going to come across right? Like, am I going to look unprofessional? Like, what if they don't think it's fun, whatever. And I would work myself into a stress tizzy. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I finally, you know, just embrace my inner me, if you will, when, especially when it came to teaching, then it just made everything much less stressful and class is more fun. And you know, when you're having fun, your students have more fun. Um, yes. But that was a really hard lesson and still something that, you know, I'm learning now. I presented at a Pilates conference um, for the first time a couple of years ago. And, and that's a different scene, even though I've taught Pilates yeah. for like 10 years now, Pilates instructors are different than group fitness instructors. They're like, Oh, why is this chick so loud? Well, that's what drew me to your class. So, you know, and like can attract like I'm I'm very similar in my fitness classes as well. Um, but yeah, that's how you find your tribe. That's how you find the people um, that really resonate with you. And you give someone else like me permission to show up as I am and be loud and obnoxious and intense in certain classes too. Right. So we have, you know, we don't want to hold ourselves back or show other people a side of us that is not maybe truly us um, because it, it gives everyone else permission to show up as themselves too whether they are like you or not, right. Um, you know, everyone brings their own personality to class and that's what makes it fun. So exactly. I love that. Great exactly. advice though for, I mean, anyone, but especially instructors, um, yeah. just embrace your personality. Yes, for sure. And it, yeah, like I said, it's a hard lesson. It's, and it's not something that, um, for a lot of people, I would say comes quickly or easily. So if you're like, that's a struggle, you're, you're in the norm. You are yeah. in the norm. <laughs> And it takes time too. I think right. just that slow letting go. I feel like I'm finally at the point where like my yoga is just very different. And for so long, I would try to, you know, adapt. Uh, if a new person came to class, like 
get them to see why this way was maybe different or, um, you know, make sure that they still liked my class and had elements of more traditional yoga, even if that's not what I was teaching. And then I don't know when it happened, but eventually I just got to the point where I'm like, I don't need to prove myself. I know what I know. And if people are really, truly interested, they'll come and ask me questions. And if they don't like it, then that's why there's other studios. You know, Um, you just get to that place where you're like, I'm really cool with where I'm at and I worked hard to get here and I know my stuff and I don't need to prove myself to anyone else. So, right. (laughs) It is. Yes. It's such an important lesson. What about a business challenge that you've had to overcome? Yeah. So I think, um, I joked earlier about being a little bit risk adverse. Um, but I'm also, uh, well, if you haven't learned by this podcast, I've talked about it a lot, I really like to plan things, <laughs> I like to have a plan and a backup plan and then a backup plan for my backup plan. Right. Um, and so in business, like things change a lot. And I think partially because of, you know, as you get older and learn things and start new businesses that, and then also, um, with how much we've moved, I've had to Oh my gosh. Yeah. Start something without being able to see the finish line. Right. Yeah. So what are the next, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, okay, if you have an idea and you are very passionate about something and you think you want to start a business, you need to ask yourself one, is there a need, right? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If this doesn't go well, is it going to put my family in a bad financial situation? Mm-hmm. And then three, do I know the first three steps? You don't have to know all the steps, but if you know the first three steps and if going down that route isn't going to put your family in a bad financial situation so like you can pull it off without taking out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans, then why not take those first three steps? And by that third step, probably by the second one, the next three steps are going to to open up. Um, And so I remember the first couple of businesses for sure. Um, I felt like I needed to have everything done before I told a soul, right? I needed to have the manual written and, <laughs> done and websites, yes. done, and everything done, right? Everything done. I'm like, wait, that takes most businesses like years to do. And you oh my know, gosh, 10 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But in my head, and then I also needed, you know, an exit strategy and a growth strategy and like, oh my gosh, well, I can't do that unless I have two other employees, because what if I get sick, you know, like all the scenarios in my head. Um, but over time, you know, you, you learn to adapt and um, just to do the absolute best you can. And um, my friend, Trisha Murphy Madden says, everything is figure outable. Yeah. And I used to, you know, like if deviating, if I had to deviate from the plan, like, ooh, it's gonna be a rough day. And now the plan is just like, survive and be happy and figure it out along the way, you know? Um, so that's my biggest advice for all entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter what field you're in. If you're passionate, you can afford it. And you know, the first three steps, take those first three steps. Don't wait. Analysis paralysis is yes. so real. So yeah. real. you don't need one more certification. You don't need one more class. You don't no. need, you know, to research logos for 20 more. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Do the thing. (laughs) And, and I think that's what prevents people from just doing anything or moving forward. Um, they feel like they need to have everything laid out and it needs to be perfect. And 
I feel like social media has kind of played into some of that too, is like, we have this horrible comparison and we think it needs to be what the end result is really in the beginning, which is absolutely a lie. And most of the people that are where they are started somewhere so small, but maybe we don't know that. Right. Um, And I always say starting small is better anyways, because you're not taking on the risk. Like you said, it's not as big of a financial risk, which is huge. You can get your feet under you, get a good foundation, build a following and not have that financial pressure in the beginning, which is really important. Um, And then you just kind of adapt and evolve as you go based on what people want and what you decide you want. And yeah, business just takes so many twists and turns. And I think to be really good in business, you have to be okay with quick changes, quick decision-making and knowing that things are never going to be perfect and things might not even show up or turn out the way that you intended in the first place. And sometimes, oftentimes they're better than you even imagined or expected, but you have to be open to that. So yeah, I agree. I think just, um, there's so many young people that have really great ideas and want to start a business. But I think that analysis paralysis is really, um, and just limiting themselves, you know, in their own head before they even try. So yeah. that's great advice. Take those, write down three steps. And I would even say like, you know, who do you know that you can reach out to yes. that would give you some advice? Have you had, um, some really strong mentors or people that have helped you along the way? Oh, for sure. So my first boss, um, I told you about KB, who I I adore, um, but my first boss at A&M for group fitness, her name was Dayon Woosley. um, And she, I mean, is my second mom, my mentor, Mm -hmm. my fairy godmother, like all rolled into one thing, taught me everything um, that I needed to know, including if you can teach step, you can teach anything. I love that. Um, And so she is um, a huge influence in my life, not only about how I, you know, teach, but then also how I approach programming and group fitness and um, programming and business and mentoring other instructors. Um, I think I've called her before every single major decision in my career, for sure. Um, And then I would also say um, Trisha Murphy Madden um, is huge. She's my uh, co-creator for Bar Above. So we work together in that aspect. But one of the things I look up to her the most is Trisha has this amazing ability to stay extremely calm in the storm. So I will say everything is figure outable, but I may freak out in the moment while I'm figuring it out. <laughs> like hopefully I don't yeah, know right. say that, but in my head I'm freaking yeah. out. You can put right. on a smile and right, right. We're in Trisha's head, she's not freaking out at all. She's like, it's really just gonna be fine. We're gonna figure it out, you know, and she is one of the wisest businesswomen I've ever met for sure. Um and so she's another another huge mentor for sure. Yeah. And it's so important to have those people that you can turn to and look to as well as peers, you know, um, that you can resonate with. And it's fun to even catch up with you and hear, you know, what are you building? What are you up to? And where's the industry at even in different locations of the country is so different and unique. And um, it's good to build those connections over time. And that's one thing that I think is so amazing about the group fitness industry is like, you meet people at certifications and conferences and trainings from all over and you just become lifelong friends. And it's so fun to cheer each other on and see what other people are doing. So 
what is, what is next for you? What are you, what's on, I mean, personal business what's on the list? Yeah. So we just wrapped up kind of fitness conference season. We have one more conference, um, in October in Nashville, Tennessee, which is, um, a new bar one. Yes. So that's a music city fit con and there's going to be like a whole like bar track to it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then just, I mean, big things on my plate are, um, continuing to expand pumped up strength. We have some really exciting new things rolling out, um, for pumped up strength and our instructors in 2023. So it sounds crazy to talk about that in August, but you know, (laughs) take that much time ahead of time. Yes, exactly. So with that and with bar above, um, and then, uh, for my virtual studio, um, I'm just really excited to do even more in-depth programming and challenges and just increase, you know, the value and ease of use of that for my students. Um, and then from kind of our consulting or fit biz club, we have two really exciting intensives coming up where it'll be like a series of workshops on a particular topic. So we are really going deep on a particular topic um, or on two different topics. So we're super excited about that because it's like you can have high level ideas, but like how do I actually put that into my computer? Right. So that's what we're going to do. Um, and then I've taken on a few um, jobs for other companies, um, creating some education, which is really fun because it's kind of a little bit outside of my normal realm. So um, makes my brain work a little harder. Yeah, definitely. And what would you say is kind of your favorite thing to focus on right now in business? Oh, I know it's hard. <laughs> like as well, one of the things that I'm loving learning more about and then helping to translate that into fitness because I think it hasn't been translated into um actually I should say even into a lot of small businesses outside yeah. of fitness um is email marketing. I feel like social mm-hmm. media gets all the glory and it's yeah. what everyone sees, but email allows you to really show up in your customers or potential customers inbox and serve them exactly what they want, what they need and build those connections. Um, And I think it's something which I know for me, it was seems really intimidating, like automatic emails and freemiums and like getting people an email list like that sounds so intimidating for a lot of people, but it's really not once you get going. Um, So that's been my really thing that I love nerding out about and then helping other people with especially fitness professionals lately, because I think it makes such a huge difference in in your business. Yeah, I will second that. And I do think it's just the tech piece that people are overwhelmed with. But once you can figure that out, oh my gosh, and you build those, those workflows and those systems and watch them actually do the work for you is amazing and totally worth it. So I love that. Um, I am curious because I, I know you're a growth mindset lover of learning as well. What is one of the best books you've read or favorite books? Lately, okay, so I love Jenna Kutcher, who she uh, yes. love her. Um, she just came out with her new book. Is it is it Are You Okay Really? I think that's what it is. Yeah. How are, are you okay really? really? How are yeah. you really? How are you? I really? loved her book. Yeah. That was so good. How are you really? It was so good. Um, Atomic Habits, of course. Yes. I love that one. That's a good one. And then um, oh, I am blanking on the name, but um Chillpreneur. Um, is another one like the name okay. of the book is Chillpreneur. I'm blanking Chilpreneur. on the author. Right now. Oh, okay. 
Oh my, and I, I can picture that. her face and she has blonde curly hair. I, okay. I, I follow her on Instagram, but Chillpreneur. And she actually, I think, just came out with a revised version of Chillpreneur. Um, but I th- I feel like the whole time I was reading, I was like, oh, she's talking to me. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, chill out, Lauren, chill out. Oh, but so it's a, it was a really good, and she's funny. So like both of those, Chillpreneur and How Are You Really, are like nice nice reads, but I feel like I came away with a lot of takeaways. Love it. And I didn't ask you about this earlier, so I want to sneak it in, but we have a lot of listeners too that are um, not only small business owners or maybe in the health and wellness industry, but also moms. Um, And how do you kind of balance everything that you have going on, which is clearly a lot, um, and still take care of yourself and still, um, make time for your family. And I just have to say, you are like my role model mom of having kids come with you to your workouts and they're in your videos and they're teaching classes, which is just amazing. And I can't wait to see them um, just really enjoy that, you know, as they get older, but how do you infuse some of those healthy habits into raising your, your children as well? Because you do such a great job of it. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I should preface anything that I say with, like, <laughs> I still have my mom freak out moments and, you know, want to cry in the closet when kids are fighting <laughs> and my kids do still fight. Um, so, but I think, I mean, one thing, well, healthy habits wise, exercise obviously has been something that they've seen from the beginning. Um, and my husband loves athletics and he works out, but really, I mean, he loves to play sports. He still goes and plays basketball every Wednesday night and, you know, does activities like that. So, um, I feel like we've just always talked about movement and activity with our kids, you know, just like it's, doing homework or, you know, brushing your teeth. It's just something that we all do. And those were maybe not the most fun examples, but <laughs> you know, not that it's something that you have to do or you have to do to be healthy or to lose weight or to look a certain way. Right. It's just something that's fun that we do in our everyday life, you know? And I walked in a couple of weeks ago and my eight-year-old had the lights off in my studio, my neon sign out, a fake <laughs> recording her. And she was teaching her own yoga class and like girls got some good form i love Um, it and so i think you know just i don't know if normalizing it is the right word but letting them be a part of it um and then i also feel like we never and i don't think that i can claim doing this intentionally but i never was like oh well you know y'all go outside and play while mommy lifts weights like if you want to lift weights just because you're a girl and you're five like grab some weights here. So, you know, right. so we didn't like say, Oh, this is what adults do. And this is what kids do. It's like yes. all movement is good movement. And, um, I'm never too go, young. To yeah. Start. Right. <laughs> well, and it, not for certain formats either. You know, if they want to do right. whatever format I'm doing, then they, you know, hop it and do it in whatever way works for them. Um, so that, and then, um, food wise, I feel like we just, you know, try to model it. It works really well for one of my daughters and one of my daughters <laughs> rather eat mac and cheese all day, every day. So it's a struggle. <laughs> Great. So, um, but we do, you know, the best we can and try new things. And um, yeah, so I think it's just really including them versus yeah. like having a super strategic plan of how we're going to help them like these things. It's just including them in cooking. My eight-year-old can make her own smoothie and get the blender out and then including them in fitness in whatever way they want to be included that day, you know? Um, so 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So including them in just like the healthy habits, but also just like part of the business, you know, yeah. if you're an entrepreneur, like you don't need to keep that separate. In fact, I, I mean, I don't have children, but I just remember even growing up being involved in my parents' businesses to some extent, I think really um, inspired me to want to own a business and see the, see the reason why they worked so hard was so that they had the flexibility to spend more time with us. Um, so that when you're working, you know, you're doing it so that you can hang out with your kids or, or just letting them come into it um, and experience, you know, what hard work is and, and what it's like to be in the industry and just making it fun so they don't feel like oh you know my parents working again or it, it's just like a it's a part of your family and right. um part of your lifestyle so i love yeah, that definitely and i mean i think because i work from home um and the girls are you know home at 2 45 in the afternoon when they get home from school um yeah it was just like they see what I do. They know how to operate a, a camera and a ring light <laughs> and when the microphone's working and, you know, when they have to be quiet while they're playing in the playroom, why I film or in my videos. Um, uh, so I think that is, it is good for them to see. And then they play fitness instructor, right? They play <laughs> entrepreneur, if you will, they play business owner. And then, um, same for my husband. I mean, he does a great job of, he works a lot and a lot on the weekends, but I mean, he'll take the girls to practice with him or to an event with him. And um, honestly, I feel like it's really helped with their social skills as well, because they can talk to adults like they talk to another five or an eight year old because they just right. always have. Um, and so they it it has. I think there are ups and downs, you know, do I wish that there are some times that I, you know, didn't have to miss this to travel for that? Yes. But then, you know, when we go to Nashville, they'll come with me and get to see mm -hmm. all of that. So everyone's just doing the best that they can. But I definitely think um, in both lights, healthy eating, healthy um, movement, and then business, we just try to include them as much as possible. And then hopefully they see um, how much myself and my husband, you know, we love our jobs and yeah help other people whether it's mine with other um helping people move or him with his student athletes um so i we hope that that translates that's like absolutely hard um because you love it but also it because what you're doing matters to other people yeah modeling that 100 percent. yes so my final question okay what drives your soul today what gets you mm -hmm. out of bed I honestly think, and this was like my just gut reaction because I wasn't prepared. I oh, with it. <laughs> have an answer to my question. I think it's like new possibilities. I think that I love the opportunity to create something new, and whether that's in my personal life, you know, um, with moving. Not that I want to move right now, but just being <laughs> open to it, right? I would really like to not move right now. Um, but or or in business, you know, if someone brings me an opportunity or it was like, Hey, would you be interested in that? Having the gut reaction of, Oh yeah, maybe so versus, Oh no, I can't do that. You know? So, um, I think each day when you're an entrepreneur and especially if you're an entrepreneur with your hand and in, in multiple or your hat in multiple places, wearing multiple hats, then, um, it's exciting because you don't know what the day is going to bring. Like where I was last Sunday versus now, like, three new projects have come onto my plate yes. you know, and that's exciting. So um, I think that makes it 
easy to get up in the morning and to to do the hustle and do all the things because you know an, another fun thing is probably around the corner if your mind and your heart is open to it yeah i love that i think that is what probably deters a lot of people from uh, small business ownership in a way um, because it can be really scary and fearful. But when you just embrace the idea that there are so many unlimited possibilities and opportunities um, that could just change your entire life, your perspective, your, you know, time with your family, like so many things um, and you just stay open to it. I think that is definitely something that keeps your soul on fire and yeah, um, yeah getting up at every day with that mindset. I love that. I've always been like that. So <laughs> um, I used to be very, I don't want to say afraid of change, but maybe let's say not a big fan of change. Um, so if you feel like you're not a huge fan of change right now, um, that doesn't mean you have to be like that forever. You can embrace small opportunities first, you know, um, and then grow, grow with that. Cause I definitely didn't start out like this. I think so much change has happened that yeah, it's, it's sink or swim. You get used yeah. to it and you learn to, to embrace it or you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Yeah. And you can either, you know, change with the times, which is what we've all experienced in the last couple of years, or you're just fighting it and you're resisting it. And I do think, like you said, it takes just intentionality, taking yeah. that one small step, getting yourself uncomfortable, because the more you do that, the more at ease you actually are. Even when you're uncomfortable, you can find some peace and some sense of um, confidence because you've pushed yourself, you pushed the envelope multiple okay. times before that you know you're going to figure it out. Absolutely. Everything is figure outable. I Everything love that. Everything is figure <laughs> Well, thank you so much for just sharing your experience and your wisdom. And I know that so many people in the industry and outside will get so much out of this and make sure to go follow Lauren, because like I said, her social media is fire. Get on her email list. So you can see all of those awesome things that she's preparing to. Um, but I just think so many people can learn from you wherever you're at. Um, and I appreciate your time. So thank you so much, Lauren. And I know we'll be chatting soon. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it out with someone else who needs to hear this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you know when new episodes drop. And until next time, be sure to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul.